Hey, Promise Youth Group. Uh, obviously, I'm not recording at church. I'm recording in my home. I'm still feeling just a little bit under the weather. And so I didn't want to be around the recording team and potentially get them sick as well. Um, but I hope that everyone is safe and sound. Um, and thank you for joining another virtual worship session. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, that's the passage we'll be looking at today. And we're going to talk about the importance, the necessity of having a proper spiritual workout a spiritual workout that aligns our hearts correctly and properly before the Lord. And so if you turn to Philippians 2, 12 to 13, I'll read, up, I'll read for us. But if you could read, read along with me, that would be great. And so word of the Lord. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now that only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear, and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. And I think all of us in this season of quarantine, um, and I know parts of Georgia are opening up and yada, 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 but I think all of us, to a certain degree, we've been experiencing a lack of physical activity in our life. Now, even if you're a person before all this who uh, didn't work out, didn't go running, whatever, um, there was still some measure of physical activity that was occurring in our lives. When we're at school, we'd walk in the hallways. For those of you who are always late to school, you would run into school to get there on time. Even at church, we'd walk around, we'd play basketball or soccer or whatever it is. But even at church these days, things are really quiet. All the basketballs are in the container because no one's playing anymore. And when we are in a place of, a, when we have experienced a lack of physical activity, we can often succumb to physical laziness. I think for many of us, uh, how we spend our time, we might be playing a lot, a lot more video games, making TikToks or uh, YouTube videos or binging a Netflix series. But we all recognize that if a state of physical laziness goes on for too long, we need to do something to fix it because it's harmful to our bodies. What we need to do is work out our physical bodies so we don't stay in that state of physical atrophy and physical decay. But what about spiritual laziness? Is it possible that in this current season, you and I are experiencing some measure of spiritual laziness because we're not as church as much as we used to. We're not on the worship team or the prayer team like we used to. We're not uh, uh, attending services, being a part of small groups, going to lock-ins, going to prayer nights, going to retreats. Since our activity has changed, is it possible that it's impacted our spiritual fervor, our spiritual fitness? And if that is you today, then this passage will speak directly into the place that you are in. Because it becomes clear in this passage that you and I as believers, we need an appropriate spiritual workout plan that brings our hearts back into the right place before the Lord. That in order to combat spiritual complacency, we need a spiritual workout plan that involves proper fear, and trembling. And so we're going to examine that in three parts together. The first is the fear, the second is the trembling, and the third is the workout plan. And so we're going to go through those together. Cool beans? Cool beans. So let's start with fear. 
Now, I think when we hear the word fear, it immediately strikes a negative connotation, especially in the current situation that we're in with COVID-19. That's something that many people are afraid of. It is a virus. It is an unseen threat that causes a lot of fear. But honestly, guys, even before this pandemic, there were a lot of things that you and I were afraid of. Some of us are afraid of heights. Some of us are afraid of the dark. Some of us are afraid of the wrath of our parents when we get a bad test grade. Or some of us are afraid of losing ELO and dropping in the ranking ladder. We're all afraid of something. But why does that fear exist? And is that the type of fear that Paul is talking about? Why would he tell us to work out our salvation with fear? Well, that's because there's two types of fear. And the fear that I just described, that's an unhealthy fear. But where does an unhealthy fear come from? You know, I think to a certain degree, I think an unhealthy fear, it comes from too much self-trust. Now, what do I mean by that? Let me explain. When we trust ourselves to be masters of our own universe, to take care of ourselves, to call all the shots, to know what's best, to always do what is right, a fear comes in, a fear of failure or a fear when something happens in our life that is outside of our control. Diminishing grades feel like we're losing control over our lives. Diminishing friends makes us feel that we are losing control over our lives. And so we experience fear. Why? Because we, as people, desire to be in control of our own reality. But is that the type of fear that Paul is talking about? No way. Why? Because Paul is talking about fear in relationship to God. He's saying we as believers in our relationship with God need to have a fear fear of the Lord. So then what then is this healthy fear that Paul speaks of? Well, this word fear in the Greek, it comes from the word phobos, which sounds a lot like phobia, right? And in 2 Corinthians 5.11, he says this, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God. Do you see what he's saying here? Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God. It seems that this fear is a necessary element in a believer's relationship with God. So what then is this healthy fear? Is this a fear that involves us like being terrified of God all the time, having this hopeless dread that if we make one mistake, we're gonna go to hell forever. You know, I think I grew up like that and maybe some of you have grown up like that too or are in that place right now where so much of the the fact that you believe in God is just because you're afraid of going to hell. But is that the type of relationship that God desires us to have with him? Do we have that type of fear that we need to be a good son or daughter because if we fail, we'll be abandoned or forgotten or jump down, fall down the sibling ladder? It's none of those things. But the fear that Paul speaks of is a fear that promotes proper humility before the Lord. That what is necessary in our relationship with God is proper humility. Look at what the writer of Proverbs says in chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is what? 
the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. You see what he's saying here? It's impossible to have wisdom unless you have a fear of the Lord. It is a holy concern. It's giving God his proper credit. What's rightfully due to him is proper honor. In essence, guys, a fear of the Lord, it means having God in the center of our lives and the center of our attention. And isn't that true when we think about fear in other respects? I know some of you might be afraid of dogs. And so when you go into someone's house who has a dog, what is the center of your attention? It's the dog. It's the thing that you are afraid of, and that's going to dictate your actions. Think about everything else that you are afraid of in this life. Doesn't it command your attention? And I think a passage such as this causes us to ask the question, does God command and capture your attention? Do you have a fear of the Lord in that regard? Do you have a fear of him to where he's the center of your attention, he's captivated your attention, and that has led you to a healthy obedience? This is the type of fear that understands that self-trust is not the solution, but self-distrust is worthy of promotion. It's our, not our hearts and our thoughts and our lives that need to be the center of our attention, but rather it is Him, it's His commands, it's who He is. And so the question I wanna leave us in this first part is, do you have a healthy fear of the Lord? Are you experiencing some spiritual complacency, some spiritual laziness? Perhaps it's because God does not command your attention, but rather you're trying to command His. Or maybe something else has replaced the center of your attention, replaced God with something else. Another concern, another thing has stepped into that place. But brothers and sisters, if God is king, if he is the Lord of our salvation, then what other thing has the right to captivate us other than him. Do you see him as he is? As the one who is worthy of your adoration, of your honor, of your attention, and of your respect? Or in this season, have you found yourself being a little wishy-washy with God, a little standoffish, too many unread messages with the Lord? If we are to work out our salvation, brothers and sisters, we must not treat God as something or someone that he is not. Oftentimes the way that we complain to him, it shows our lack of respect for him. Oftentimes the way that we ignore him and only go to him when it's convenient, it shows that he's not the center of our concern. In our sin, our habitual and unrepentant sin, I think it shows that we're not too concerned with God's thoughts on sin. We're not concerned about his opinion because we don't have a fear of him. We're not brought into obedience to what he commands us to do. 
Brothers and sisters, if we're going to get out of spiritual complacency, we need to reclaim our fear of the Lord, to know him as he is, that he is the one, the one thing that commands our attention. Everything else that we can fear is nothing in comparison to him. Everything else in this life that we could devote our lives to is nothing in comparison to him. Is God your center? But the second point I want us to examine is the trembling. And this word trembling comes from the Greek word tromos, which refers to a shaking. That's where the English word tremor comes from. But why tremble? Why are we to tremble before the Lord? Well, let's think about the essence of trembling, guys. When do you and I tremble? We tremble when we are in awe of something a force that is far more powerful and greater than us. You know, the other day, not even the other day, it was a few months ago, my wife and I, we took Hezzy to the zoo. And, you know, the zoo, it's, it's always a weird place for me because I like seeing the animals, but I don't seem like them seeing locked up. It's like this weird, like, uh, I don't know, I feel like this conflict whenever I'm looking at the animals. But uh, I had Hezzy strapped to me, and my wife and I were walking, and uh, we went before the lions. Um, we went to go see them, so I, I like lions. I like tigers more, but lions are pretty cool. And as I was watching this one male lion, all of a sudden, he roared. And I don't know if you've ever heard a lion roar. Not like the Lion King or on TV, but like you've seen a lion and heard it roar. It was powerful. And then I had this weird thought. What if I was trapped in the cage with the lion? What would happen to me? How would I defend myself against such a powerful creature? And in that moment, I got the heebie-jeebies. I trembled a little bit because I recognized that this beast that was behind this cage was far more powerful that if I was in its paws, I would be helpless. When we tremble, we tremble before something that is beyond our scope, our capabilities, and even our understanding. Something that defies our boundaries and limits. Something that shocks our very existence. So what does that mean for us in a spiritual sense? Brothers and sisters, do you know who God is? Do you know who he is? He is the creator of the universe. Do you know how he created everything? He didn't go into a workshop. He didn't have to have blueprints. He didn't have to have teams of people working for him. He simply spoke. We're told that the stars, they're just things that he just flung into the sky. That's these powerful stars that are in the galaxy are nothing in comparison to him. Everything that has ever existed and been made has been created by the very breath of his power. Do you know that God? Do you know the God who sent his son to defeat death? Brothers and sisters, can you think about that for a second? You know, the latest count of the death toll in the United States is 70,000 people. 70,000 people have died because of coronavirus. How do you beat death? We as a people right now are struggling to beat a virus. How do we beat death? It's impossible. Do you know that our God defeated death? Do you know that God? 
Do you know his power? Are you in awe of who he is? Does the very essence of who you are, does it tremble at who he is? Or have we been treating him too lightly? Have we been treating Jesus way too lightly? Not as the king, as the defender, as the strong warrior, but just, I don't know, like an Uber driver or an Alexa. Do we know God as he is? When's the last time you trembled before the Lord? I want to read to you a passage found in Isaiah 66, verse 2. And it reads this. This is the one to whom I will look. So God's looking for people. He's looking for someone. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. We see here that God is looking for people, but he's looking for those who are humble and contrite in spirit and those who tremble at his word. One who trembles at God's word Brothers and sisters, when's the last time you just trembled at God's word? When's the last time you just opened the Bible, read a verse and say, oh my goodness, God said this. God spoke this. These are the words of the holy uncreated one, the author and perfecter of everything. This is, these are the words of God. When's the last time we read, not just to get through it, not just to mark it off the list, but just say, wow, God said this. When's the last time we were in awe? When's the last time that we worship God, we praise them, and we just trembled before his presence saying, wow, I am before the king, the king of all, and I am singing praises to him. Or have these activities just become inconveniences in our lives? I think far too often, brothers and sisters, we treat the fact that we do quiet time, we read our Bibles like we're doing a favor to God. The fact that you can do your quiet time is God giving you the favor. I think sometimes we treat online services like that too. I attended online service like we're doing God a favor. God doesn't need your favors. He doesn't need anything from you. He is who he is. He's self-sufficient. He is uncreated. He has no need. And yet he invites us to come and worship him. Do we tremble at that God who extends to us such marvelous grace? Well, sisters, is God just a nuisance to you? Is he just a nuisance? Is he like a nagging mother? Or is he your heavenly Father, who is in control of all things, that we are called to tremble before and to treat him as he is. If you have been in a state where you've been treating your relationship with God like you're doing him a favor, or you've been going about the motions like you're doing God a favor, let's cut that out. That's spiritual laziness and spiritual complacency. And that needs to get worked out through a proper trembling before the Lord. Brothers and sisters, let's reclaim, reclaim who we are in God by recognizing who He is. Let's not forget that. This week, as a part of your spiritual workout, I don't care how much of the Bible you read, 
I don't even care how often you read it. But when you do, can you be in awe? Can you be in awe? Even if you're reading Leviticus, can you be in awe and say, wow, God said this. Can you show fear and trembling when you do and say, wow, this my great and mighty God is speaking to me. An unworthy vessel, an unworthy peasant, and yet by his grace, he invites me into his presence, into his household. Fear and trembling. Which leads us to our third and final point, and that is the working out. And this working out, brothers and sisters, it's going to include fear, and it's going to include trembling. But I want us to recognize something about this workout plan. Because whenever I, I don't know if you're like me, and maybe you are, whenever I hear workout, I hate it. I hate it with every ounce of my fiber. It's oh, working out. Why? Eating's fun. Working out sucks. It seems draining and life depleting. But is that really what working out is? Talk to people who like to work out. They won't say that it's life depleting and life draining and energy sucking, but rather it's life giving. It's energy promoting and it's life sustaining. And the same goes for this spiritual workout. Now, Paul tells us to work out our salvation. And I just want to clear this up just in case some of us are confused. Paul is not saying we should work out our salvation because we could lose it. He's not saying do this, otherwise you might lose your salvation. No, by no means he is not saying that because we did nothing to earn our salvation. It's Jesus who did everything. We just receive him into our hearts. So then what then does he mean by work out your salvation? And this is where... uh, an understanding of the original language and the context really comes and brings clarity for us. What Paul is saying, he's commanding believers to make a continued and sustained effort to work out their salvation into its ultimate completion. Now, Pastor Steve, what do you mean? What I mean by that is salvation saved, glorification, what happens at the end, right? But that middle part, That sanctification, that is what he's talking about. The refining of our hearts. And that refinement happens with fear and trembling. But there's two other factors that I want us to consider today. The first is daily obedience. If you're going to work out, you should probably do it more than once a month. Once every six months or once a year. You're going to have to daily put off sinful habits, sinful tendencies, and sinful thinking. And like we talked about last week, put on righteousness. To take off, take away from your mind the things from below and set them on things above. To fight the good fight of faith daily, 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 daily. It's really of no use if we can't commit to it every day. But the second thing is to persevere. I'm going to read you a passage found in Colossians 1.29. Reads this, persevere in the faith. Perseverance in the faith is the duty of every true believer. That's what this passage is essentially talking about. And it's every time that we persevere, it gives evidence to the fact, it gives evidence to the fact that God is working in and through us. 
You know, like I said, whenever I think about working out, it always seems like a dull thing. It always seems like a draining thing. But do you guys know that when we persevere, we don't do it on our own strength. The fact that we are persevering is evidence that God, that God is working in and through us, that His Holy Spirit is working in and through us. That's why we can do it. We're not gritting our teeth and trying to figure it out, but it's His power that sustains us. I think that this is a type of workout that is worth pursuing. And so this week, let's keep this in our minds. Let this be the center focus of our hearts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for this time. And I ask that all of us would leave spiritual laziness and spiritual complacency behind. And that we would pursue a healthy, honoring, and reverent relationship with you, that you would be the center of our attention, of our lives, and of our focus, Lord. Bring us back to that place. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.